Welcome to the Joe Watt Podcast. I'm Joe Vendramini from the University of Florida, and today our guest is Dr. Moni Roquette from Texas A&M University. Dr. Roquette, thank you for being with us. It's good to be here. I'm glad you included me in Joe Watt. This will be Moni Who, but <laughs> at the same time, it's good to be with you, um, and I, I enjoy and I appreciate you asking me, Joe. Uh, Dr. Roquette, could you please give us some background information about yourself? Sure, we don't have much time for that. I mean, uh, <laughs> it take a long time, but basically I am uh, with Texas A&M AgriLife Research. I'm at the AgriLife Research and Extension Center at Overton. My work has been and continues to be forage evaluation under grazing, forage utilization, and nutritive value, where we have forage evaluation in small plots. We also have a large history of long-term nutrient cycling under stocking with and without nitrogen fertilizer. The cattle that we have, we use in stocking rate studies with cow-calf. At weaning, the calves are taken into a stocker program that could be with Tipton 85 or with rye ryegrass. Once they complete the stocker, they go to the feedlot and then carcass and we complete that data set into something we call beef cis, and it gives us an archival of information that we can pull back on for later. Uh, you don't always have the, uh, the cooperators or the students or whatever at the time you're doing these studies, but we can go back in history and pull them up and then get the, get the boundaries for animal performance. And Dr. Roquette, uh, I think that's very timely, as you said, about your work with nutrient cycling. Uh, we are going through some challenge times regarding the price of nitrogen fertilizer. And I think I would like to cover that with you. Um, what do you think will be few management practices that producers, beef cattle producers, could do right now to try to go through those really high prices of nitrogen fertilizer? You know, it's a good question. Um, you know, when we look back at stuff, <laughs> it's always good to look back before you look forward, I think. In 2008, we did a workshop here at the Overton Center and the title of that was adjusting to high cost of fuel and fertilizers. That was in 2008. So we went through a lot of things back then. We just thought prices were high back in 2008, but it gave us a chance back then to think about it. And now it's given us a chance again to look at things once more to see, well, what did we say then that we need to stress more now? You know, the, there's a lot of this and this, but I, I guess I'll give the summary before we give the points. I think of all the things that we can think to do is that it challenge, it's a challenge for those who are already in the, in the cattle business and those who have experience, it's a challenge that we need to be looking for efficiency of production, efficiency of whether we need nitrogen or not, what kind of forage is gonna respond, what's the responses. And you know, you say, well, how do you know that? You know it because of data that you and I have and other people and from the experience What's the production? What are the cattle, how are the cattle gonna respond? When it gets down to that, it's always about performance 
either you measure it in hay or cattle or weaning weights, all of those factors today for the experienced guy, he or the people who are in the business, they have to be looking at each one of those components and making really hardcore decisions. Do I keep this cow? Do I sell that cow? What's my stocking rate? Is this the right forage? Do I need only nitrogen? Or do I need P and K? Or do I need the lime? Or do I need legumes? I know that I'm going, going, going. But one last thing, if it's the new person coming in, the novice, I think the most compelling thing that I would say that, that they need to do, and that is get the facts. Get the facts. Too often, we have it, you have it, we have it day in, day out. The popular press has good intentions. But the popular press showing forage combinations for Wisconsin dairy is not what we have in the southern part. So the vegetational zone from which you're in lets you know the boundaries of what you can and cannot do. And uh, Dr. Roquet, that's exactly right. And you're touching two points that probably I would like to, to go a little deeper on it. And one big challenge it has been to probably to propose to producers to adjust the stocking rate, right? Yeah. Because it's a time where you don't have nitrogen. So, and let's say that you have one property, you don't have place to move cattle out. So you right. need to adjust the stocking rate. And we have a few ideas, but how do you think on a cow-calf operation? Let's, let's focus on cow-calf. So um, what do you think will be some options? Um, go harder, uh, win earlier, or what could those producers do in order to try to decrease that stocking rate somehow, you know, to go through with less nitrogen? Yep. You know, those are, that's the challenge. <clears throat> so when we start looking at that, that may, that question, which is a great question, what are we, now what are we going to do? What are we trying to sell? <laughs> We're trying to sell calves. We know that <clears throat> the space and occupancy for a cow and a calf, which could be 1,500 to 2,000 pounds of animal, takes a lot more nutrients and dry matter than it does for a 400-pound calf or a 300-pound calf. I'm not suggesting early weaning, but early weaning could fit into some people's management strategy. but Big butt, what are you gonna, what forages and or supplements do you have to tend to that 300 pound calf? So I'm not saying that's for, that may not be for anybody, but a very, very few, but on the, on the stocking rate and the cow calf, when does the cow calf? That's, that sets the stage for what you can do for any early weaning or non-early weaning or increase in the stocking rate. We always have to remember once the cow's bred, and she's lactating, you can do a lot of things to that cow. I'm not do things, but you can stress her in terms of body condition. If she's bred and lactating with the calf at side, <clears throat> a body condition score four and a half to five is not a problem if, it's not a problem if the rest of the story is you allow time for that animal to regain her body stores prior to calving again. We all know that, but sometimes we don't, we don't ever use the full body fat of that cow to our economic advantage. And this is one time that I think it's gonna stress that because that's where stocking rates comes in. 
And still on the stocking rate, Dr. Roquette, it's, um, do you think that because proportionally probably supplement also increase price, everything is up with uh, the transportation and fuel, but if the price of supplement now didn't increase as much as the fertilizer, so do you think it will be a good opportunity probably to stretch the, the supplementation program or even some people are doing year long just to try to keep those stocking rates and trying to, to go through a little less grass? What do you think about that? I think that's a great question. I think that's right on target. I think that's the subject of the day. There's risk in applying fertilizer. You apply fertilizer, you have to have weather. You have to have this, you have to have that. And we know that. Sometimes we take, well, that's just part of it. When you buy supplement, now you're targeting. Is it energy? Is it protein? Is it both? How much do I feed if we're going to do that? If the cow doesn't need it, then only creep feed or only do something. And I'm not a big creep feeder, but we're in different times than we are today. So supplementation, I think, is, an, is a big, big name of the game for us in the cow-calf you may not be in the stalker business, but you may be a part of the stalkering business if you choose to wean those calves early and then use supplementation, which may, you just said, may be cost, more cost effective than trying to fertilize and graze on a lower quality pasture. Mm -hmm. and, and the other thing that I think we mentioned about that I'd like to touch is you mentioned about the different nutrients, right? Fertilizer, you may have nitrogen, you may have N, P, and K. And, and I think that is uh, it's very focused on what you're going to fertilize, right? So in, in that difficult time, so do you think producers should prioritize such as hay fields and decrease the probably the fertilization just to adjust the budget, right? The perfect scenario would be to fertilize as you people have done for years and keep the program going. But if they cannot do that with the same budget, so would you prioritize like hay fields and still give the complete mixture or you're going to spread the nitrogen evenly through hay fields and pastures? What do you think would be the best approach? That's a good question. That may be the $24 question or the $64 <laughs> question because if you are depending on hay to sell, that takes a different mentality, a different management than if you're cutting your own pastures for hay. You can cut your pastures for hay, may have a little less nutritive value, but you can use that yourself. Back to your question. When you prioritize nutrients, let's go back. Grass, and we're all in warm season perennial grass. It doesn't make any difference what we have. It's a warm season perennial grass country. It takes nitrogen to make that work. If it's a lower, low nitrogen containing sandy soil, sometimes acid, then the biggest bang to the buck, the biggest bang to the buck is nitrogen. The first 50 to 100 pounds of actual N gives you the most return for what you spent. Now, now, now I don't want to finish that because in a hay production system, we know that potassium becomes a major ingredient for sustainability. May not increase your production, but it, it's a sustainable, it's a nutrient for sustainability of that hay field, especially more so than grazing because of the nutrient cycling, recycling those nutrients back onto the pasture and allowing that grass to pick up N, P, and K or whatever as the case may be. 
and, and Dr. Kat, in you are in East Texas and we know you have some options there. Um, for example, chicken leader that has been used as a fertilizer for a long time, but it's always, uh, it was always limited to the transportation, right? Because the concentration of nutrients is, is much less than actual uh, um, a commercial fertilizer. But do you think producers can start looking at those options a little differently now and, and probably they'll be able to haul a little longer at this time? I, I think poultry litter is going to become, it's become more, it's, it's going to become more expensive <laughs> because <laughs> what we have with poultry litter and with lime, it's almost free at the site. It's all about transportation. The transportation, I'm Justin here, the transportation for lime, applied limestone today is between $65 and $70 a ton, $65 and $70 a ton spread for poultry litter. It could be 30 or it could be $45 a ton spread. What are you getting out of poultry litter? It's a good, it depends question, but it's almost always in a general 50-50-50, 50-30-60. It's almost a balanced 50-50-50. In your mind's eye, that's about what you're going to get. Now, for the rest of the story, we know that poultry, the, uh, the response from forages to poultry litter is longer term, it's not immediate like ammonium nitrate or sulfate or urea. So the grass is not gonna jump up and get green all of a sudden, like it may do in response to the fertilizers, but it's a longer term. We're in this for the long term and not for just six weeks. I think that's the mentality we have to look at so that we can be more sustainable with our pasture. That's the number one goal. We don't wanna graze it all up and then sell it. And uh, you are on a, on a big, also a stalker region there. So you have stalkers and cow calf. And I think we, we are facing that very difficult decision now because I, I don't want to, to be the economist and look at the future and try to predict anything. But we know that corn needs nitrogen fertilizer because it's a grass. So with that in mind and the price of fertilizer that we have, corn will go up, right? The price will go up. And we know corn prices go up, the price of calves go down. Yep. You know, when you have to feed them, that is, that is pretty simple. It has been that way for a long time. Uh, but now uh, we, we have probably the higher price for feeding the feedlot because corn will be higher. Uh, and we may have the option to keep those calves on pasture a little longer, right? To put right. some, in, in theory, cheaper gains on pasture before they go to the feedlot because the feed will be more expensive. On the other hand, we cannot produce that much grass, right? Because we don't have the, or the nitrogen fertilizer too expensive. So um, do, do you see that scenario happening and to make those difficult decisions or, or do you think that we still have the same feedlot scenario and we will keep it going as we are? Well, you know, the feedlot thing, we won't get into that too much mm -hmm. because it is amongst them on sale. But here's what just came out yesterday and today is St. Patrick's Day. I don't know if this is going to, you may be showing this at Easter or Christmas, I don't know, but on St. Patrick's Day in 2022, the report yesterday was that all of a sudden, corn is becoming a bigger 
return on investment than soybeans because of the, it's not just the cost of fertilizer going in, it's the cost of the corn coming out. So when we see that report, what does that mean for us who just want to, who want to feed cattle in the feedlot? It's just what you said. We need, we have been in here for a long time and our research has always been to get cattle bigger before we let them go. Now, mm-hmm. it de- that is a, depends on how close you are, how much transportation costs. And I know you guys in Florida for almost ever, not ever, but have sold lightweight cattle so you can put more of them on a truck and get them out of there. Well, that may not change much, but the producer who owns the cattle selling a 750 pound calf versus a 400 pound calf, I I don't haven't run the figures, but I think you could make more money with a 750 pound calf then you can't afford 50, but supplementation is going to come into play. And we know that the more supplement you give, the more gain they're going to make. But, 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 but <laughs> you're, you're one who, who knows, and you're in the seat of the Florida who, who gave us that information that there's a, there's some additions, some associative and replacement. So you don't want to feed them all the feed they can eat on pasture because now you're a feedlot on your pasture. So limited percent of body weight is always in the thought. How much can I feed them? And that takes going to the literature, going to your county agent, going to guys like you to find out what grass do I have? If it's rye rye grass, hey, we might use this. If it's Mm -hmm. Bermuda grass or Bahia or something else, then we might need this and only at this much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Dr. Roquette, I think I tried to cover here the, the few things. So would you have anything in mind that probably would also help the producers that will be something important that they should consider at this time? Well, I think we started out with something I was giving you the, I was giving you the summary at the, at the end, but I think we have to be, we have to be very, very conscious that it is, it's not just the amount of fertilizer, if you use fertilizer, but it's all the way through to every, every system you use, should you be uh, getting more electric fence, for example? Uh, should you be doing some flexible grazing systems? And I'm not talking about graze everything you have for a day and a half and move. I'm not talking about that, that kind of a, a, of a rotation scheme, but something that allows you flexibility, smaller pastures to be six, allows you better opportunity for forage utilization. And that becomes one of our keys. But mm-hmm. knowing in advance what animal response is going to be to the forage that you have. You can't expect three pounds a day from a stalker on Bermuda grass, but you ought to, or behave, you need to know those expectations. So now you can plan with the input of money that you're making as to what the economic, now we're talking about economic outcomes and not biological outcomes, because we know we can produce this or this at weaning weights, but we need more weaning weights unless you're going to wean early. So that, that's the biggest option. Wean early, feed the calf, take them out longer, but just know that a cow needs to have a calf every year or she has less value for you. Dr. Roquette, uh, we are going towards the end of our conversation here and I would like to thank you very much for participating in the podcast today. I am Joe Vendramini. Joe what? <laughs>